So Marcus, we're here on, I think we're on Pee Wee Reese Road. We are, we're right uh, here in Seneca Park. Yeah, so there's that oval over there where people jog and the tennis courts. Well, there's the uh, softball diamond where I don't know if I ever batted 400, but uh, maybe above 300 at some point in time uh, when I was still playing softball. Really, this is, uh, you know, the heart of where Seneca Park uh, gets ready to meet Sam Matthews. Let's take a walk. I might not have brought the right shoes for this. A little muddy. A little muddy today, but not too bad. So we made our way to a pedestrian bridge over I-64. And I'll be honest, I've lived here a long time, but I didn't know how to get here. So this is actually pretty cool, Marcus. Thanks for showing me. Sure, it's one of the bridges that goes over the interstate here, and it's the only one that doesn't also have vehicle access. So you hear the roar of the traffic, and. This is Sunday afternoon and that's I-64 below us. And apparently there's actually consideration to widening this interstate through here. That's right. Well, we should maybe have a longer discussion about that. I think we should. Well, this is one of the most recognizable stretches of highway in all of Louisville, and now the state's considering widening it. But as WDRB's Travis Ragsdale explains, the proposal to change I-64 is being met with a lot of resistance. It's been talked about really for decades, widening I-64, somewhere between the from the digital journalists of WDRP.com, this is Uncovered, a behind-the-scenes look at stories affecting education, business, criminal justice, and more in Louisville, Kentucky. And now for the show. This is Chris Otts of WDRB.com. And as you might have guessed, I have my colleague, Marcus Green, with me today. Marcus, thanks for joining me, as always, on the podcast. Glad to be here, Chris. So, as we were discussing, uh, there is apparently at least a plan or consideration or thought among transportation planners in Kentucky about widening I-64 uh, from the Waterson Expressway all the way into downtown Louisville. Yeah, that's right. This is all part of a bigger study that was ordered by the legislature a couple of years ago, and the Kentucky Transportation Cabinet and its consultants are finishing it up. And while widening is probably the buzzword that will get most people interested because of the significance of where I-64 cuts through in that area. There's all kinds of other options that are being studied as well that all in all would attempt to make that stretch of I-64 safer and ease the congestion that sometimes does occur along that uh, along that stretch of highway. The area we're talking about 
is the part of I-64 that is between the Watterson Expressway and Story Avenue. So basically between the Watterson and Butchertown, it goes past the hospitals uh, in the DuPont Circle area. It goes past Bowman Field. It goes past Seneca and Cherokee Parks. And it goes into Butchertown and some of those uh, neighborhoods in the vicinity there. So obviously the parks, in particular uh, Cherokee, to a lesser extent Seneca, both are very close to the highway. And the concern, especially from park advocates like the Olmstead Park Conservancy, is that a widening, if it were to happen, could have an adverse impact, not just on the park, but on Beargrass Creek and all the kind of things that come with highway widening and expansion. They just don't want to see that, even if it's a possibility, they don't want to see it happen uh, this time around. Marcus, have you been able to dig into um, the traffic counts and what is driving uh, transportation planners to look at even doing this? Because, you know, I know sometimes in the pre-COVID days, in the morning rush or the afternoon rush, yeah, I-64 will get a little crowded. But most of the time, at least in my experience, uh, there's no problem there with uh, the two lanes. I mean, this doesn't feel like Atlanta or some massive traffic backup or anything. So I wonder about, you know, even the need uh, for a project like this. This is sort of one of the big issues that has emerged uh, this during the study is, you know, what is the the need for this project? Um, And again, we have to separate it out because there's some widening aspects of it that have been opposed. And then there's some other aspects that wouldn't necessarily have the kind of impact to the overall corridor, but that attempt to address some of the issues that are pretty consistent, regardless of what traffic counts are. And mainly what, what those are, are the kinds of backups that occur as people are getting uh, off the interstate and onto Grinstead Drive in particular. But as far as the traffic counts go, you know, one of the reasons or one of the statistics that the Kentucky Transportation Cabinet and its consultants have cited is what traffic counts are now in 20, well, what they were in 2020 when this study really uh, took off and what they're going to be in 25 years in in 2045. And it is interesting, and I wasn't able to get into this in, in the story that we did last week, but I did tweet about this. You know, if you look at the actual numbers, we've actually seen in previous years, more traffic on that stretch of I-64 than what's projected in 2045. Now, I don't know, I can't say definitively why that is. I I think it's a fair bet that the East End Bridge opening up in 2016 probably has had a lot to do with that because it really has allowed that traffic that needed to go through downtown to have another valve to get across Indiana, uh, you know, some eight or 10 miles away. So the question is, does the traffic volume and the expectation, should that be a significant factor in any kind of work, including potential widening? And and also, Chris, the big wild card here is we still don't know how the impact of COVID and any kind of changes to commuting and to work and how people get around, how that's really going to play out long term if we're going to see the kinds of traffic modeling that's been done become reality 
fall short. We just don't know. It's almost impossible to, to guess what traffic's going to be in, in 5, 10, 20 years because we don't know what the long-term impacts of COVID are going to be. And yet the state highway department is looking at possibly adding yet another tunnel uh, to the two that go under, uh, well, they're called the Cochrane Tunnel, I believe. I don't know if that's Cochrane Hill or why it's named that. Uh, confess my ignorance here. But they're looking at digging yet another tunnel there. You know, what they've addressed in this study are a whole bunch of options. And whether or not any of them come to fruition, the state has maintained that it's important to at least look at them and have the data. You know, for example, uh, the study makes clear that to even propose an additional tunnel, there's going to need to be geotechnical work to even know if the rock in that area, if the actual ground in that area can can have another tunnel. So I think the argument from the state's perspective would be, we just need to do the work to have information so that we can be prepared, not only this time, but down the road. I don't, I don't believe there's ever been a geotechnical study done to even determine if that, if that tunnel area, uh, you know, can handle another, another tunnel there. Well, we know how long it took to get uh, the bridges project built. We know how transportation projects generally go. Um, is there any thought that this project is going, uh, somebody's going to be going out uh, in a few months and starting starting to widen I-64? Or, you know, how far along realistically is this planning from being executed? Yeah, that's not going to happen at all because... One, the study is not even supposed to be finished and made public until February. But secondly, and really more importantly, there's no money for any kind of uh, project yet because the findings aren't known and there's not a road plan uh, year at the General Assembly until next year at the earliest. So it wouldn't be until, until next year at the very earliest that any kind of decisions might be made. Uh, but we really ought to emphasize here that, you know, one of the things that happens in transportation decision-making is that studies like the one that are being done right now are very common. And we could have a debate about whether or not it's prudent fiscal policy for the legislature to spend the types of type of money that is spent on these various studies and whether that's a good return on investment. But regardless of that, these studies are common. Remember just last year, the study on a potential interstate bypass around Louisville that would have gone through Bullitt County and some of the outlying counties essentially forming another Gene Snyder type uh, expressway. That study was done. And while it proposed several alternatives, none of those is now in the actual execution process. It's generally believed by the people that I talk to that that study is good to have finished but that it's not going to go anywhere anytime soon. So we do see from time to time these studies done. We see big sweeping ideas considered, but it's not a given. And it's in this case, nowhere near automatic that anything that's going to come from this would be done anytime soon. It's also, I think, really important to, to point out, and some people might remember this, that this is not the first time we've had these types of widening proposals for this part of I-64. We had one in the early 2000s. We had one in uh, the late uh, 2000s, right around 2009 or so. 
so it's it's not an uncommon idea that the transportation cabinet looks at widening. Uh, in this case, a lot of the widening would be done in the median, so it wouldn't necessarily push outward. But uh, you know, widening studies and widening ideas are not uncommon. And again, we could have another <laughs> entire podcast about what's the benefit about widening and adding lanes to, to highways and freeways. But well, you—that's exactly where I was was going. I mean, I think there's this new zeitgeist amongst transportation planners. I don't know how new it is, but uh, I hear this a lot that uh, you know, widening a highway is like loosening your belt line because you have a weight problem. So it's not really curing uh, the solution and there's or or the problem. And there's something called induced demand, which is the idea that the more you invite traffic, uh, the more accommodating you are, the more traffic that you get. And so it becomes this cycle of uh, of widening gridlock, widening more capacity, more capacity until you're you're really way overbuilt. And I'm just wondering, does anybody in the Kentucky transportation cabinet think like that? Or are they more old school, um, you know, bigger roads means more development? You know, I think that in general, transportation planners for a long time were working out of models and approaches that were more fitting of, you know, a generation or two generations ago. But one thing that definitely we're seeing right now is is money being tight for a lot of reasons. And so, you know, these big widening type projects, I think, are being scrutinized more now than they perhaps were uh, in, in years past. And, you know, Kentucky did launch a program a couple of years ago to try to prioritize certain uh, parts of the state, certain roads, certain roads with, um, you know, traffic issues that could include you know, crashes as well. So Kentucky at least is trying to, to use a more data-driven approach. Now, it is also important to note that uh, this program, which is called SHIFT, uh, does actually include a number of, of widenings. But gener- generally speaking, I think the transportation cabinet with this project, uh, because they're facing a lot of concern about a potential widening, you know, for example, 40% of the people who responded to some of the public surveys last summer said they didn't want any changes done in this area. And some people I've talked to have made the point that some congestion is actually good. You know, it keeps speeds down. If you had unfettered kind of racetrack type lanes where everybody can go 75 miles an hour, uh, you're you're opening up the door for there to be crashes and, and speed related issues. So, um, you know, it, it's it all comes down to this fine balance of making sure that people aren't stuck in bumper-to-bumper traffic, but also ensuring that the roads are safe. Marcus, am I reading between the lines correctly here that there's not really any elected officials or any constituency that is pushing for widening I-64 through this area of the city, but that this is more driven by kind of just a regular practice on behalf of the transportation cabinet and the consultants that they work with to evaluate options for uh, a long time in the future planning. I think it's definitely fair to say this is part of the regular types of planning studies that get done from time to time. 
Now, whether or not there's anybody actively pushing for a widening, I don't know. And one of the reasons I don't know is because the state has not yet released the names of people who were involved in these so-called stakeholder meetings that were held last year. Hopefully we'll get those names soon. I had to submit a records request for that through Kentucky's Open Records Act. But we do know that Bill Hollander, the Metro Councilman, whose district does include parts of where this project would go, he's adamantly against any kind of widening. He thinks it's bad policy. He thinks it really doesn't make sense right now and that uh, it's not something that should even be on the table at all. What about the Olmstead Parks Conservancy? I would think they would have something to say about this. They're also opposed to it. They don't like the potential impacts that, that, that widening, in particular widening, could have on, on the park. Uh, remember, it's not just the potential loss of parkland, which they would they anticipate that any kind of widening would take some parkland, but it would also have potentially a little bit of a snowball effect. It could affect uh, tree cover. It could affect wildlife habitat. It could lead to erosion. It could affect Beargrass Creek. And so there's a very interconnected ecosystem that exists in Cherokee Park in that area, very close to I-64, that they worry that any kind of disruption uh, would have an adverse impact on the park itself. And it's fair to note, as, as Olmstead will point out, that because of the impact of COVID-19, people are using parks more than ever. And so there's been almost a renaissance in the way that people have experienced uh, not just the Olmstead parks, but parks throughout Jefferson County. Usage is is up at at all of those parks uh, in the pandemic time. You know, Marcus, there's the one park project proposed by developer Kevin Kogan, which would be a really monster development at uh, Grinstead and uh, I-64 and Lexington Road, that area, that weird triangle there. Who knows if if that will ever be built, but I believe it's uh, gone through the planning stage and it would be a high rise with retail, office, hotel, condos. Um, and so you can see a future in this area that is more densely and intensely developed uh, than currently. But I'm just bringing that up to to wonder whether there's any tie in with this plan you know, our planners saying, well, um, you, if we're going to have more development and more people in that area, then we need more highway or are those two things just coincidental? Well, I'm not sure that they're coincidental, but I'm also not sure that they're interconnected. Um, it's, it's not mentioned in any of the planning and study documents that one of the reasons for this study is because of, of that project. And I believe I'm correct, Chris, in that the General Assembly approved this in 2018. And the One Park project at that point had not gotten its final approval. So, you know, we can't really say definitively what impact the One Park proposal at the time may have had on this study. But obviously, as you point out, if that were to ever happen, it it could potentially lead to more traffic in that area. So it may not be the last time that we talk about improvements uh, that are needed, in particular to the Grinstead and I-64 interchange. The bigger question, though, is, you know, what's needed for that entire corridor, if anything, uh, to address what are perceived to be the issues in play here? Well, Marcus, I know if 
they're ever going to actually start pouring concrete and asphalt out on I-64, that you will let us know about it well in advance. You'll be on top of it. Thanks, as always, for joining us on the podcast. I always enjoy it, Chris. Thanks for having me. The Uncovered Podcast is a production of WDRB Media. Please subscribe, review, and rate wherever you get your podcasts.